All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. Uh, today is going to be a little bit different episode. We're going to we're going to dub this one our first PSA episode, right, Phil? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, indeed. Good morning. You know, it's funny we're on video, and uh, because most of the barber shops are shut down, my wife has been cutting my hair, and so she said, "Hey, let me give you a haircut before the podcast." I'm like, "Sure." Thank you, honey. You know, but she forgot to charge the ra- the the clippers, so she got she got one side of my head, <laughs> and then the clipper ran out of power. Fortunately, right before the episode, she was able to charge it, and I got some equilibrium. I still didn't address the top, which we're going to do this afternoon when the thing charges again. Um, but happy to be here, anyways. It's a phased haircut. I like it. I, I'm gonna I'm do it. I'm gonna do it yourself for myself. You know, I, just, <laughs> I, I do the bic these days. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. But uh, yeah, so I think that um, our topic today is both timely and important, and can potentially clear up some confusion. So why don't you cue it up? Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the electoral college. So I mean, it's timely. We're coming up to election time here in a, next month. Um, it's really, really coming close. And, you know, I don't think everybody understands completely the voting process. And, you know, I, sometimes I struggle with understanding the electoral college myself. So one of the cool things about doing this podcast is, you know, we get to kind of educate ourselves a little bit too while we're at it. So this is kind of like me doing a little bit of a book report for everybody. Uh, (laughs) But then we're also going to kind of talk about, you know, some other things. How is the Electoral College going to work? You know, President Trump just recently, you know, got sick with COVID. What, what happens if he's not able to debate or, or, you know, competently carry out his duties? You know, what does that mean, you know, coming right up onto election time? You know, there's a lot of weird things that are going on right now. I mean, this is just a, you know, interesting historic time that we're in. And, you know, we got to capture some of it. You know, we got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And I'll tell you, I was ignorant until um, doing the research for the show. I really didn't understand the Electoral College as well. But I think it's critical um, because our voice matters, but how is that voice expressed? So that's some of the stuff we're going to get into. And then, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about some other things too. See how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so so here, here's a basic breakdown of Electoral College. So you're not actually voting voting for your candidate, but you're, you're voting for your electoral representative to, representative to vote on the majority's behalf. So that could be your state, uh, that could be your whatever. Um, so, so think about it like this, you know, hi, I'm John, and I promise to cast my vote for Biden. And then, hey, I'm Dan, I promise to co- you know, cast my vote for Trump. So you go into the voting booth and you vote for Biden or Trump, you're actually voting for uh, John or Dan to actually do that popular vote for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and then it absolutely does not. So, so the process was actually brought to light by uh, the 12th Amendment. So this introduced a system of uh, presidential elections, the Electoral College, uh, all, that theory, all these theories that are in force today. So... Uh, it was intended as an emergency fix for the 1804 presidential election after the two previous elections held in 1796 and 1800 had gone very poorly. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. 
putting it into context, um, the original arrangements for presidential elections are to be found in the unnamed text of Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution. So the arrangements were that each state legislature appointed as many electors for that state as they were senators plus representatives from that state combined. So you take a hypothetical state with 12 representatives in the House of Reps. The state would also have two senators because every state's entitled to two senators, right? So the total number of electors for that state would have been 14. And each of these electors for each state met separately. So each elector had two votes without differentiating between president and vice president. The candidate with the most votes, you know, provided the, the amount to more than 50% of the total, became the president, and the runner-up became the vice president. Wait a minute, so, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So two different parties could be running against each other, right? And what mm -hmm. you're saying is whoever won became president and the opposing party became their vice president? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of screwy. It's kind of weird, right? So these original rules, um, we'll go back. Back a little bit. So if no candidate obtained more than 50% of votes, the presidential election was thrown into the House of Representatives and the Senate picked the vice president. Right? So this is, that's why this is kind of screwed up, and that's why we're, we, we, we have the Electoral College. This is kind of you know building up to that because you can see there's going to be a few problems here and there. So, so these original rules... Uh, omitted all mention of political parties. The whole arrangement was fairly undemocratic because the framers didn't trust ordinary people to pick the president. So this was a naive idea was that the electors would choose the best candidate to be president and the second best candidate to be the vice president. So wait a minute, you're saying the whole... This is straight from Electoral College for Dummies, by the way. <laughs> you're saying the whole basis for voting this privilege that we all have as Americans, the founders didn't trust us, therefore they created this other structure over and above our vote. Is that what you're saying? A little bit, yeah. I mean, think about it. We, you know, we are just, we're a brand new country. We're just coming out of, you know, overthrowing British rule in the Americas, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, you have a fairly mutinous bunch of <laughs> new, brand new Americans, you know? So, so you know, they, I think they they really wanted to create some type of a structure and, and to, and grow into it is, is what it kind of sounded like. Yeah. I, you know, I guess that makes sense. So um, given that foundation, how does it work moving through history from that 1800 point to today? What, what's some of the history? So, so this whole arrangement kind of came unglued as it was put into practice in the, the first real contested presidential election in 1796. Which well, was between that coming. Yeah, yeah. So this was between John, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, the two main opposing pres candidates for presidents. They ended up as president and vice president, respectively. You know, just like as if you know Jimmy Carter had become you know Ronald Reagan's VP. <laughs> but but John Adams, who was a Federalist at the time, got seventy-one electoral votes, which was more than fifty percent of the total. And Thomas Jefferson, who was a Republican or Democratic Republican, uh, received 68 electoral votes. So although Jefferson Adams didn't see eye to eye politically, Jefferson was sworn in as a vice president. 
So you can imagine that there would be a little bit of a conflict, right? Yeah, I mean, could you envision a world where either Trump is president and Biden's vice president or vice versa, Biden's president, Trump's vice president? That's what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, well, it gets screwier. So four years later, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to compete again. They're going to go for president. They're going to be uh, campaigning against each other. So the rematch did happen in 1800. <laughs> it actually happened. The president ran against the vice president and vice versa. Yep. And to avoid a repetition of the same problem, the, politi the political parties each nominated two candidates, one intended to run for president and the other for vice president. So the Federalist ticket of John Adams and Charles Pinckney was confronted by the Democratic-Republican ticket of Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. <laughs> so, so this time they're, they're introducing, you know, running with the vice president of your own, your own hand-picked vice president like we do today. So Jefferson and Burr won with 72, 73 electoral votes each. So it was well understood that Jefferson was the party's presidential candidate and Burr his running mate, but the Constitution drew no distinction between the candidates for the two offices. Mm -hmm. So each elector just had two equal votes. So because neither Jefferson nor Burr had a majority, the choice of president was still left to the House of Representatives, where the contest was no longer between Jefferson Adams, but between Jefferson and his own running mate, again, Burr. Aaron Burr. What? <laughs> So after 36 ballots in the House and a lot of horse trading, Jefferson was finally elected president and Burr the vice president. What do, what do you mean horse trading? I think that's up to interpretation. I think that's probably those campaigning things that you do. <laughs> oh, so maybe like stepping across the aisle or like, hey, if you slide your vote over to Jefferson instead of Burr, I'll give you passage to whatever. Correct, correct. Oh, All that, yeah. shaking hands, kissing babies, and whole nine yards. Holy cow. So that's um, so that whole chaotic election, they, after that, they made the amendment to the Constitution uh, doing with the 12th Amendment, which was ratified on June 12th, 1804, five months after that uh, election, and that's where they created the Electoral College which has stood the test of time since then. Has Even it? though there was a couple of presidencies where um, the, elect the electors in that electoral college did not vote for the popular, like who they promised to vote for, which would be the popular vote, right? So, so that's called, they call that a faithless elector. So basically it's a member of a, a faithless elector is somebody that's part of the electoral college, but they don't vote for the president or the vice presidential candidate for whom they had pledged to vote for. So they break faith with the candidate they're pledged to vote for, or they fail to vote. And while they, it's not illegal, they can totally do that. Wait a minute. It's up, they can vote however they want to. So you're saying to me, whoever, Trump wins the popular vote in California by 51% margin or larger. California being one of those states that says, if you hit 51%, you get the entire state's electorate. But then um, the Electoral College, which I think is for 55 in California, all 55 could say, we're not giving that vote to Trump, we're giving our vote to Biden. 
and disregard the popular vote? Is that what you're saying? They can 100% do that. And in some cases, you know, if they had actually pledged to do it, they don't have to. They don't have to pledge. But if they actually pledge to do it, and they do, they're only subject to some fines, maybe. Um, but but it's it's funny because you you have this good faith and you have kind of the honor system going, right? Um, these members actually have their, their home addresses and their phone numbers listed. When oh. you look at the ballot, you can actually see that where they're at. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure back know. in the day, that was your checks and balance. These days... Maybe not so much. Maybe they're using something that's other than their home address, but that's the, that was kind of the idea uh, in the beginning. And let's take this from theory to actual. It has actually happened nine different times in American history where electorate, uh, the Electoral College has not honored the popular vote and instead voted for the candidate that they wanted to vote for, disregarding every one of their constituents' votes. Yeah. Nine yeah. times. Yep, it has actually happened. And I don't 100% understand how that had happened, but, you know, if you are in a state that, that, that carries more weight, it's a red or a blue state, you're, you're more than likely to still vote that direction. You're still more than likely to see them vote in that direction, i.e. if the state pivots, like the, the voters themselves pivot from, from red to blue, and that, you know, the elector is still red, you're probably still going to get voted red. Well, wait a minute. Then how is it true that every vote counts if an electoral college representative has the ability just to disregard the popular vote? Well, you still have a voice. You still have that voice and you're, you're still able to somewhat persuade because I think those, those, that majority persuasion still hold, carries some weight. I really do. And as long as people are educating themselves and, and putting it out there, I think that um, we're still kind of in a little, little dem- bit of a democratic space. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of a but yes and no, right? It, yeah. it, it's kind of tough. It's kind of a wedge space. It's a comp- potentially compromisable space. It is. It is. And, and so... So this is a system that's been in place for hundreds of years in our country, and not everybody knows about it. And we talk about it, how important it is to vote. And I, I still agree, and I still believe wholeheartedly that it's very important that you get out there and vote. Uh, but at the same time, you, you have to understand where that vote goes and how it's treated. Yeah, and it really makes the argument. And, you know, Jason and I have our own political opinions. We don't share them here. This is not about red or blue or purple in between. Um, But what we're respective of, in fact, is that we all have the right to our opinions and beliefs and we should vote for who we want to vote for. But this says, you better get out there in mass. You better vote so heavily for whoever, whichever candidate you're picking, that it's conclusive, that the popular vote is so wide that there's no shenanigans. (laughs) Well, I I think... uh... It's going to be interesting this year. I think just the, the, by nature of everything that's going on between um, human rights um, demonstrations, protests, and a lot of people are very happy with our current president. I think there's going to be something, it's going to be kind of a, a crazy ride no matter how, which way it goes. But at the same time, you know, it's hard. You know, we, we still got to go out there and, 
express our opinions and our beliefs and not be afraid to do it because there is that, that cancel culture out there that wants you to not do it, you know, and it's on both sides. People say it's on the, you know, the Democrat side, oh, they don't, they, they'll, they'll dox you or they'll cancel you. And then on the Republic side, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're racist or Nazis or whatever, whatever it is that you, you believe or whatever it is that you've heard, you know, you should still, you know, if you're, if your opinions are in, in line with advancing this country in a positive way, no one should stop you from doing it. No one should be able to stop you or should, should dare <laughs> stop you from, from dare. expressing those viewpoints. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, we're in this um, situation of misinformation, and it's very unfortunate. Um, I, you know, again, I'm not going to espouse one party or the other, truth or fiction between them. What I will say is it's critical you do your own research and form your own opinions. And I'll give you one great example. The whole uh, conversation around voter fraud and countries putting in fake ballots into the United States and all these other things that are happening. There is no evidence across 25 plus years of widespread voter fraud and mail-in. In fact, the military, as you all know, Jason, has been using mail-in votes forever, right? Yep. And it's not one party's design to suddenly change the way we vote uh, to give them favor. We're in the middle of a freaking pandemic where people die and people may not feel safe going to a ballot and standing in huddled masses in lines that are hours long, getting exposed just to have that one five minute experience in the voter booth when they can stay home safely. It's a pandemic, right? So right. I do want to say, do your own research. Don't trust me on this. But everything I've seen tells me that this widespread voter fraud assertion has no basis in fact. There have been a few cases, but is it widespread? Absolutely not. Could it affect the entire election? I don't think so, based on what I've read. Right, and and you know, going. I think it's just giving you options. You know, I think you should have, especially the, during this time, you should have the option. Um, we are, you know, as, as adults, we should be responsible for our own health. If you feel like you are healthy enough and you're you're not worried about getting sick. Go and vote in person. If, if you're scared, if, you, if you're in ill health and you don't feel comfortable doing that, do your mail-in ballot. You're going to yeah. be okay. You know? You'll be okay either way. Exactly. Exactly. So that yeah. is the Electoral College. And it's still very confusing, but we know how it, how it happened. You know how it came to be. And it actually corrected uh, – an even worse problem than it was. So, yeah, you know, and, and not to get into um, gun rights, not to offend any gun advocates, because I believe if you want to have a gun, you should have a gun, right? But yeah. what I will say is this is an example of a very uh, antiquated amendment. Back in the day when the Second Amendment was written, this is how you loaded a gun, right? You took the ball and the powder and you jammed it in, and maybe you could fire one shot every, what, 45 seconds to a minute and a half, depending on how skilled you were. There was not such a thing as repeater rifles and automatic weapons when the Second Amendment was created. And it does raise a question with the Electoral College, just like that wasn't foreseen at the time it was written, is it still appropriate for today or not? And it's a question because there are actually five presidents. Um, 
Oh, let's see. Who do we have here? We have uh, Quincy Adams got 31% of the popular vote, um, but won the Electoral College. We have Rutherford B. Hayes, um, three, point, three percentage points less than his opponent, uh, but won the Electoral College. We have uh, Harrison. We have George W. Bush. We even have our 2016 election. Um, yep, where I think Hillary won by about three million votes, believe it or not. Yeah, and they were, you know, there's back and forth about whether that's true and if California cheated and all these other assertions. But the reality is she likely won by three million votes but lost the Electoral College because 48 of the states, I think, 45 or 48 states, yeah, 48 states, it's a winner-take-all situation. If you get 51% of the popular vote, you get the whole state. So so if there were to be a, an amendment to the 12th, if there, if we were to amend the twelfth amendment, uh, update it, update it. What, what does that, what does that look like to you? You know, I don't know, um, because there, you, you can get into these whole topics of gerrymandering and redistricting and mm -hmm. census manipulation and a lot of other things. What we would like to think of, and frankly speaking, I think you have to be a little naive to think that this is true, is to say, okay, if we did away with the electoral college. Every vote would count, and we would just go, and we would vote, and whoever got the most votes would win. Um, but there's evidence of closing voting locations and limiting mail, you know, drop-off ballot boxes and all these other restrictions that are being put in place. There's active, in fact, federal charges are getting filed against two young men from California who were calling uh, Michigan and Ohio residents and saying, if you mail in your vote, you're going to get reported to credit card companies and they're going to do felony searches and et cetera, et cetera. So you need not to vote because if you do, you're risking your own self, right? And these guys will probably go to prison. It's a 24-year oh, federal yeah. charge. Absolutely. Um, that's, a, that's a huge federal offense to intimidate a voter. Yeah, voter suppression wow. absolutely is. Yeah. But, you know, and again, not to get controversial, but I question like Governor Greg Abbott in Texas where he passed an executive order a couple days ago that said there can only be one drop-off ballot location per county. Some of these counties in that makes it a little huge. Tough, that makes it a little difficult. Yeah, they're 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 pretty rural out there. They're sp they're spaced out. So you yeah. want somebody to drive a couple hundred miles, maybe possibly potentially to drop off their ballot. That's not fair. Could be. And so the question becomes, what is the justification? Other than, you know, the obvious, right? Make it harder. Yeah, make it harder. <laughs> make it more difficult. Yeah, other than that, why would you do that? But these kinds yeah. of things are happening right now. Yeah, and it, it, it goes to show how important it is to vote, though. You know, if, if someone actively wants to keep you from doing it, it shows that it's still effective. That's right. Not, the, not keeping you from doing it, but your vote is effective. Yeah, right. makes it worth fighting for, doesn't it? It does. I think it does. And, um, you know, there's a lot more things that are on the ballot than just the president. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of policies that you could vote on and a lot of different uh, things that you want to see happen in your country. You know, you got to put your voice out there. You got to do it. You got to speak up. Yep. Yep, you do. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't say this. Look, whether you're a 
hardcore Trump supporter or hardcore Biden supporter, who, whatever your political orientation, I think we can all agree that we should be sending our best wishes for recovery to the first family, to those senators who were infected, Kellyanne Conway, even Kaylee McEnany announced today. As it turns out, that Supreme Court celebration of the newest nominee may have been a super spreader event. And what it says to us is, we're getting ready to vote. Be intelligent about your health when you do. Don't dismiss this as some hoax and, you know, fake news and everything else, because it's not. Clearly, it's not. Right. Yeah, it's, that's, um, that's what's uh, kind of a burning thing on my mind, too, you know, is that if, um, you know, if the president's unable to make the next debate, which I think he will, I think he'll power through it no matter what, at risk of his own health. <laughs> that's just the kind of guy he is, it seems like. But, um, you know, what happens if, um, you know, he, he, you know, he gets a little bit worse, you know, if he gets sicker? Yeah. Know, what does that happen? Is is it going to be Pence automatically, you know, gets on the ballot as the president and has to choose a vice president? And I don't know who that is. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, the vice president's um, been very quiet this term. So it's going to be, be interesting, you know, if he yeah. has to step up. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to say something else, too. It, I've been reading online, and certainly there's a lot of disinformation, a lot of conspiracy theories being floated in all directions, right? One of them I saw today, and it's building momentum. Um, people are saying maybe Trump doesn't actually have COVID. He's doing this opportunistically. And what I want to say to that is that would be one of the lowest forms of lowness in the world. And it would require that medical professionals, people who have sworn an oath, right? Like the, the, uh, the, the doctor that spoke yesterday and updated the America on his condition, they'd all have to be lying to cover this up. Doctors don't do that. My brothers and sister-in-law are both neurologists. They just simply don't do that. So yeah. anybody who's thinking that thought, I can understand why you might, but put that out of your head and just... Yeah, they risk you know, everything. They risk everything. Yeah, why would you do that? Yeah, let's My wife's a psychologist and she would never even think of doing something like that you know no, lose no. your license lose your freedom you go lose to jail for it for a long time yeah. that's right yeah i think we just all have to unify behind the fact that president trump is our president he's unfortunately ill with covid and we have to send our best thoughts and wishes and full support for his recovery whatever the implications are and there could be some we could have canceled debates we could have postponed election who knows right this yeah. is unprecedented yeah, it's so weird, man. And, you know, and, and that's a good point, too. I mean, he's our president. You have to honor the the, the office of the president of the United States. You yeah. know, that's, I mean, whether you like it or not, that's who we have in position. Would you rather support him or be in his way every step of the way? You know, how, how does that benefit us as a country? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. If there's anything we need right now is a unified voice and unified support behind our leaders because we're still climbing out of this situation and it may take years to come before everything rebounds. Right. Yeah. 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 So stay tuned, right. You know, just, uh, <laughs> do, it, do what you have to do and, you know, take care of your business and, you know, don't, don't let it put you into that, that depression mode that a lot of people will use this as an excuse for, you know, excuse to not run your business to, to maximum capacity, um, excuse to not exercise and take care of your health. 
uh, an excuse to, you know, be be lazy and you know play video games and watch TV all day long. You know, don't don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. No, go out swinging, fight hard for what you believe in, and you know, I like I said, I was very fuzzy on what the electoral electoral college was, and this provided me some clarity. I hope it did to all of you. But what it underscores is the importance that we exercise our right to have a voice, each and every one of you listening, everybody around the country, whoever you're voting for, go do that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well said. All right, man. Well, everybody, I hope this was enlightening. I hope it didn't make you mad at us for our points of view. If it did, I don't really care, but (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening anyway. Hope you like, share, Again, we're on YouTube, so if you want to check us out on the YouTube channel and uh, check out our smiling faces, please do. Do it a thing podcast, uh, just like you would find us on any other podcast platform. Boom. See you next week, buddy. See ya.